0: What's in the case? That information isn't necessary. Well, is it heavy? Is it explosive? Is it chained to some unlucky bloke's wrist? We're going to have to chop it off? I mean, All right. what is it? All right. But I'm not under any obligation to let you know- If you
1: are not, then the price has got to go up. I'll get you the case, but the price has got
0: to go up. If it's going to be amateur night, I want $100,000. I want it up front. I want it in a bank account. I want another $100,000 when you get the case. <laughs> okay, let's go, Bye, go. Hello and welcome welcome and hello this is wait you haven't seen it's a show where we talk about movies and specifically the, a movie that at least one of us has never seen before I'm your host Travis aka TV's Travis this is episode number 115 and our movie this week was 1998's Ronin starring Robert De Niro and Jean Reno and here to talk with me about it is Sean uh, Sean how are you doing and how did you not see this movie prior to today?
1: Um, I'm doing great. Uh, you know, I was talking to somebody about, I was out with some friends last night and another one of these movies that I've never seen before was, um, Office Space. Yes. I've not seen that one. We were talking about how in the world I could not see that movie. And it was around the same time as this one. I can't remember exactly what year, but those first of you, I got married in 1990 Okay. I had my first kid in nineteen ninety six. So between ninety and ninety six, I was living in Chicago. We were going downtown on the weekends. We weren't seeing movies. And then after ninety six to two thousand, we were taking care of little kids. So right. the only movies I really saw were like animated movies. So I just missed a bunch and and then just never got back to them. They're on you know, we were talking on Discord recently that I've got, got this list that I'm developing of all these movies that I need to see and I just haven't gotten around to them yet. So that's fair. why I have never seen this one. So
0: that's fair. If you had a kid in ninety six and this movie came out in ninety eight you basically yeah. you have no social life for like 3 or 4 years after that kid is born anyway. No. Until no. they and we all had feed another themselves. one in 98. Oh right, yeah, so even more. <laughs> well, then I'm glad we were able to fix this. Um so mm-hmm. the so the movie came out in 1998 stars uh, as I mentioned Robert De Niro, Jean Reno, uh, Stellan Skarsgård in it? Um mm-hmm. Jonathan Price shows up and then uh, and it was directed by John Frankenheimer. It's it's really well known for car chases uh in particular yeah. there's a couple of really yeah. good car chases in this that are talked about a lot and on a lot of a lot of the lists of top um car chases of all time type things in fact right. i was a guest on a show a while back where i was doing my top five chases in movies and mm-hmm. the 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 second chase from this movie actually made my honorable mentions and didn't quite crack my okay. top five but that was incorporating okay. uh all sorts of chases not just car chases but right. this movie's also, it's kind of a, it's a, it's a thriller. There's a little, uh, there's espionage going on. There's, there's a lot of yeah. stuff happening in this movie. know, um, I, I want, kind of want to start with the cast because the cast is really good. And it's a lot of people that were either very established like De Niro or kind of not up and coming, but not in 1998, they weren't widely known uh, like yeah. Jean Renaud, Jean Reno had, had Leon, the professional in 94, yeah. I think. Yeah, 95. I think it was 94. Yeah. Um, but American audiences knew him basically from from that. The same year this came out would have been Godzilla that he was in. Um, mm-hmm. and, but he still wasn't quite the, the the name. The name recognition wasn't quite there. Um, right. Sean Bean kind of the same way. Sean Bean had been around yeah. for a while. He had done a lot. Yeah. But he was still sort of like a, a that guy. Um, type of yeah. thing. Uh, yeah. But you know, he, and both of them are great in this De Niro's great, Like mm-hmm. everybody's, everybody's top notch. Everybody's on their game. I agree. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, also fun, uh, that this is uh, one of those rare movies where Sean Bean doesn't die.
1: <laughs> right. Right.
0: You know, he well, doesn't,
1: you know, to be fair, <laughs> he kind of lost his job pretty quickly in the movie so oh, he yeah. didn't have the opportunity to although he almost did in that one scene <laughs> you're
0: right he almost died <laughs> but he didn't and then he, but he still doesn't make it through the whole movie um right right and uh, so his character cracks me up because the character of Spence he's only in the first half hour of the movie and he's really there mm-hmm as the foil to uh to everyone else and sort of he's the odd man out he's the one that doesn't belong he's not really a member of whatever yeah. this society is but he wants to be right yeah 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 and and they're they're not super subtle with a lot of that like they they start showing that hand right away and i kind of like this this was a cool filmmaking thing for me when i was and i i notice i've seen this movie several times i really really enjoyed mm-hmm. this movie but what I like about a movie like this is if I don't watch it for a few years or or sometimes just watching it every so often, you pick up on more things. So the movie opens with um, with De Niro, Robert De Niro's character, Sam, and mm-hmm. uh, John Renault's Vincent and Larry all meeting at this cafe with Deidre. Right. Who's played by uh, Natasha McElhane. Uh, McElhone. Mm-hmm. So they get together, they go to the warehouse location, wherever they're staying. Like, we don't know anything at this point. They just sort of meet up after the bar closes. They show right. up. And when they get there, Sean Bean's character, Spence is already there. Mm-hmm. And then that scene. So the scene of them arriving with, with Spence already there is immediately followed by the character of Gregor played by Stella yeah. Skarsgård arriving Skarsgard, yeah. on his own. And at, not really at odds, but he comes in from a different direction solo Mm -hmm. as everyone's staring at him and kind of staring him down. So there's this really cool, like filmmaking shortcut of putting everybody at odds immediately without you really thinking about it. Like you, you don't think about it until you go back and you're like, okay, so these three characters came in together. This other guy was already there. So he's not really involved with them. And then this other person comes in and he, the way they frame that, he comes into the shot from the opposite side, and they're all over on this one side uh-huh. of the room, and he's over here. So now, yeah. when you watch it again, you'll notice that, and you'll be like, "Oh, well, they yeah. were setting up. Gregor's the you know, Gregor's going to turn on him at some point." Like
1: you know, and and, and I'm, I'm I'm a simple man. I'm, just, I'm very <laughs> smart. I mean, that makes perfect sense. And and I can see all that. I can. Pl- I mean, I did notice all that. And if I've mm-hmm. watched it, if I've watched it several times, you know, I've watched it twice. If I'd watched it several times, I would eventually picked up on that. Right. Um. But but yeah, I, you know, it's, it's like on on my podcast, we we just kind of ramble. Yeah. <laughs> you well, know. So I, I. So that was that's a really good insight. Yeah. Well,
0: and what I like about that is that's that's some of the psychology of filmmaking at play, mm-hmm. um, which I know is something that you appreciate being a psychologist. Like that's right. That's something, so when when you start to think about it that way, and you can, and if, when you start to see those things in movies and kind of break them down, you understand how the writing process transfers from a page where it might say something like Gregor arrives um, in the screen, but then the director takes that and he he puts this artistic spin on it and says, well, okay, if we frame it this way, if we stage it here, now we're Mm -hmm. planting that seed in the, in the mind, you, that seed was planted in your head without you realizing it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, very so, very subtly, kind of subconsciously, mm-hmm. right?
0: And then, you know, you have Spence, uh, Sean Bean's character, again, kind of every time it turns around, he's, you know, he he never shuts up. He doesn't stop talking to anybody. And that's kind of a dead giveaway. He doesn't belong, right? Because he, yeah. it's almost like the he's afraid if there's silence, they're going to realize that he doesn't belong there and boot him out. So he keeps keeps right. things going. He's super excited when he gets something right. Um, mm mm-hmm. He's kind of throwing a bunch of stuff against the wall. He I mean his whole thing with interrogations and methods, like he just comes with that out of nowhere and De Niro immediately shuts that down. But then yeah. later on he finally like, Oh yeah, that's you know, the smoking's bad for your night vision. You know, and he's all excited about that and like yeah. it's just his character is, is fun because he just doesn't know what the hell he's doing. And then... No, and
1: he's just trying so hard to fit in. And, and oh, yeah. you know, De Niro nails it nails it from the first time he sees him. And you can see, and you know, when I watched it the second time, one of the things that I loved about De Niro's character, and even the first time I noticed that he's very calculated, he's thinking everything through. But when I watched it the second time, every single move he makes in that movie, every single move he makes in that movie is calculated. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's, I mean... Where he puts his coffee mug to set up something that's about to happen, pouring coffee so he can spill it, so he can wipe it and knock the coffee mug off to check out Gregory. You know, he's casing everything and everyone every minute of the movie. And I just found that fascinating that they wrote that character so well like that. And of course, De Niro was able to subtly put all that stuff in really easily and make it just like normal action and behavior.
0: Yep. Yeah, and, and what I yeah. like about stuff like that is then you pick that you pick up more of that as you watch and as you as right. you revisit it. And this is a movie worth, I think, watching more than once. Um yeah. for a lot of different reasons, but that's it's sort of those the onion layers, right? There you can peel back stuff and yeah. you can be like, Oh yeah, no, I didn't notice that last time. Um mm-hmm. even something as simple as the first thing Spence says to Sam is, Have you ever killed anyone?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: No, but I mean, come on, that's like a dead giveaway that you're not, you don't belong. If that's the first <laughs> thing you're going to ask this guy. And what's, what's yeah. Sam's response? He's like, well, I hurt somebody's feelings once. Yeah. Like He just yeah. totally, he, he, you're right. He, he pegs him right away. And then they have the fish in the barrel scene, which is a really fun oh, little I, set. I piece. love that thing. It yeah. almost got cut. Um, you're right. Right. Yeah. yeah, Uh, according to the trivia, when they were filming it, the weather was really inconsistent and they were having trouble. Mm -hmm. So they ended up just wetting everything down to make it look like it had been raining for a while. And they still almost had to cut it because of, uh, laws in Paris about shooting, um, gunfire for films that they relaxed them at the last, like, they're like, okay, fine. You guys are okay. You know, go ahead and shoot your movie. Um, yeah. But that scene is great. That would,
1: have been a tra- that would have been a travesty if they cut that scene out. Oh, absolutely. That was one of the best. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. It it sets up everybody perfectly. You've got you've got mm-hmm. Spence who has no clue what he's doing, but he's going to be all full of bravado and and make it seem like he does. You got Sam who's extremely calculating and wary of everything. Mm-hmm. And you've got Vincent who probably doesn't really want to be there, but he also, as he says, he's being paid to be there. So he's going to, he's going to follow through. He's, he's the good soldier. Uh, and then Larry's in the car. So, (laughs) but, but that scene is great. And then when it all goes sideways, Mm -hmm. you know, initially Spence is, uh, he's like, I can't see, I can't see. And they pull him off to the side. And then he just goes ham. He just starts firing blindly and yelling and screaming. And that adrenaline hits him. And he's just all about that. And, He's he's great with it right up until you can tell it's when the adrenaline wears off. Yeah. And then he's just like, I gotta get out of the car. He's done, he gets sick, and that that was the last thing Sam needed to know. This guy's worthless and he's gonna hurt us. He can't he can't stay around. Right. And in some ways that's like that's a great kindness from Sam. It's it's a it's mm-hmm. a harsh way to go about it, but he he saves Spence from getting killed on in yeah. some other way. 'Cause it would have happened to him. Spence would not have survived the movie had he stayed in it. No. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, that that fish in the barrel scene is, is great. Um
1: Well, you know, and you saw it in the car when when they left after that after the shootout, everything after everything had happened and they left. You know, Larry's driving and of course he's busy driving, but he's driving nice, calm and cool and you know, uh, Vincent sitting in the back with with um, uh, with Sean Bean's character. Sam's up front, and everybody's kind of calm, and 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 uh, Spence is just going nuts. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. just yelling and screaming, and you know, sounds like he's at a pub watching a soccer match, right? Yeah. Um, and they're just kind of looking at each other like, "Dude, chill out." It's like you <laughs> yeah. know, act like you've been here before. It's pretty clear he'd never been there before, right? Right, and the rest of them had. It was it, that made it super clear that he did not belong.
0: Yeah, so I I really and and also again the filmmaking shorthand. Gregor's nowhere to be found, right? He doesn't want to. Right. He doesn't go with yeah. them. So, yeah. you get all that. Now, one of the things about this movie, and I remember because uh, I saw this, I did not see it in theaters, but I think I saw it uh, shortly after it hit uh, home video. So it would have mm-hmm. been probably ninety nine two thousand. And, right. and I remember watching it. I remember watching with my dad, and his first question after the movie got done was. What was in the case? They never said what was in the case. And what it is, it's a MacGuffin, right? It's the, it's, it's the quintessential MacGuffin. It's an object that's just there to move the plot along. It has no relevance at all. Yeah. But that's what, like this whole movie is just a movie of MacGuffins. It's weird. Like the plot almost doesn't matter at all. What they're, what they're doing doesn't matter. It's all about setting up these moments for these characters and it's really a study, and that's that's where the title Ronin fits so well,
1: uh-huh. because
0: these men and and, and to an extent, Deidre, are, um, they are Ronin. They're they're modern day masterless samurai. Sam is right. apparently on the outs from the CIA, is what we are led to assume. Um, there's right. some great moments with him, but I just I like that because the way it's written is brilliantly done where it just doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what they're doing. It doesn't, th- this movie could be, could take place anywhere in the world. Uh, the people are largely the names and everything are largely interchangeable, but it's about who they are. So that was, yeah. that was kind of cool for me.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, I like one of the things that, I mean, it kept reminding me of, um, Usual Suspects, just a rogues mm-hmm. gallery of bad guys that are brought together that don't really have anything to do with each other and they've got to do something, yep. you know, and I'm usual suspects is one of my absolute favorite movies. And I couldn't tell you how many times I've watched it. And there are still times I'm watching that movie. I'm going, it, what's the point? Because exactly. <laughs> it's really it's about the relationship between the characters and what putting a bunch of bad people together to try to work together to do a bad thing for some unknown person what's going to go haywire and who's going to go off rails. Right. Yep. And so I that that was what kept coming to mind when I was watching this. This is more about the relationships between these guys and how they interact when things go sideways than it is whatever the MacGuffin might be.
0: Right. Yep. yep exactly. And and I loved that. I liked how we had there was a building of a friendship between Sam and Vincent where it started off with just sort of a mutual like respect for each other. They're both pros. Yeah. They both uh, just know what they're doing. You know, Vincent is nice enough to offer him a cigarette. Uh, there's that great exchange between them where he asks them, are you labor or management? And he's like, look, if I was management, I'm not giving you a smoke. Like right. that was, that was really cool. But then because Sam being who he is in that fish in the barrel scene, essentially saves Vincent's life by telling him, look, if it goes haywire, grab one of their guys or be careful all this kind of stuff. Now Vincent feels uh, as though he owes it to Sam to to help him out, but also that that bond got strong where they yeah. they were just they were yeah. two men that really understood each other and understood mm-hmm. who they were and what they were doing. Yeah. So, yeah, I really really enjoyed that. And that was kind of the cool thing with, you know, they they bonded. Larry is sort of the the dude that's just always there like every larry is the guy everybody likes right he's just the jovial dude that drives the car he's
1: the larry yeah he's the larry right it's just yep. like he's the larry it, yeah. it's perfect it's a perfect name for that character too i mean come on it really you know, was because that's pretty much what he was yeah it's like you drive the car you go get the food you know
0: uh the actor's name by the way is skip which is even better um and uh apparently i noticed that yeah he uh, he made sure to tell John Frankenheimer, the director, look, I want to do all my stunt driving, okay? I want to do all that. And Frankenheimer was like, fine, you can do that, but I don't want to see any brake lights. So he got to do a lot of the stunt driving in the in that chase, um, which we are yeah. going to talk about the car chases in a bit. Uh, cool. Because they cool. are really, really good. Now, Natasha McElhone, um, who mm-hmm. plays Deidre, this was fairly early in her career. I liked her yeah. uh, quite a bit yeah, in this. Yeah, I did too. Yeah. Um, because she's got this thing where she is the, she's really headstrong. She's confident in who she is. Right. She, like mm-hmm. one of the first things she's telling them is, look, my name is Deidre. She does not want to be called the girl or anything like that. Girl, she, right? she makes yep. sure to, to, you know, correct everybody for that. But then we get that scene where De Niro takes her with him and they do some recon and she is uh-huh. so uncomfortable really- and so out of yeah. her element. Um yeah. and that was that was great. But but I liked how she's she's so headstrong until Seamus shows up, Jonathan Price. And then she she dishes it out to him that, you know, he set her up for failure, but at the same time she knows she can't really go against him. Yeah. So that was a, an interesting dynamic, too. And then Jonathan yeah, she was, she,
1: just stuck, she was just stuck in a position that, OK, I'm trying to I'm trying to be this person and, and, and do this big stuff. But when it comes down to it, I'm still just subservient to this guy over here and I'm powerless. Yep. yep. Yeah.
0: Um, and I don't know if you read the trivia or not, but I and I have actually seen it. There was an alternate ending. The original ending for the movie had her oh. show back up. So the last we see really? of her is when she drives off um, from the, yeah. the ice skating thing. The original ending actually had uh, in the scene in the diner um, at the end, she, she arrives and she's standing outside kind of contemplating, am I going to go in and talk to them or not? And decides to leave. And as she walks mm-hmm. away, some IRA members grab her, throw her into a oh, car. Oh, wow. And they drive off. And what, what ended up happening was test audiences were like, we don't like that. So yeah. Frankenheimer said, okay, all right, we'll, we'll go a different round. He shot a, a, uh, he did a second version of the ending that still didn't play well because it ended up with um, her and Sam getting into a car together and driving mm-hmm. off. And that yeah. test audiences didn't like that because it felt too Hollywood. And Frankenheimer was like, it is. Yeah. So then they <laughs> just cut it all together. Uh, but I have seen yeah. that original alternate ending and really it okay. was on a, a special edition DVD at some point. Okay. And honestly, it I didn't really care for it because I just feel like it, it this movie is better served to have it sort of up in the air. What happened, what happened to her? What hap- what happens to Sam? What happens to Vincent? Like the only characters we know for sure are Gregor, Larry and Seamus because yeah. they all die. Yeah. <laughs> like right. but all the characters that lived it's it's left open ended and I like that. Um yeah
1: because it with, with those three with Sam and Vincent and, and Deirdre you know, they kind of disappear into the movie yep. of their own accord. You know, mm-hmm. and with that ending, okay, Sam and Vincent did, but she did not disappear of her own accord. She was taken and, and that that seems unbalanced compared to the other two endings for the other two guys.
0: It does, plus because they they made it a point that it was IRA that grabbed her. That also didn't mm-hmm. feel right because we'd heard the news broadcast just before that saying that Seamus was denounced by the IRA. So, yeah. you know, I just overall, um, I just didn't like it as an ending. Now, i the the overly Hollywood ending was too much of like sequel bait with Sam and DJ yeah. kind of going off on their own. So, which this movie doesn't need sequel bait at all. No. Just let this be no. its own self-contained um, thing. So yeah, I, I, I liked her. I liked her quite a bit. Um, I would say the only thing that, that I didn't love and it, it's, it just felt weirdly forced and kind of out of place is the moment in the car when they're, they're outside the villa and I love the distraction of grab the map. And then when the cops show up, yeah. they just start making out because it's France right. and the cops are just going to yeah. be like, yeah, yeah. okay, fine. Um, that was fine. But then her deciding to continue making out with Robert De Niro after that, I was like, but where did this come from? Like, th- yeah, this that just I, feels weird.
1: That felt wrong and weird on so many. Because, and, and I was sitting there when, because when I watched the trailer before I rented it and and, and watched the movie, I saw that scene where they were, they were making out. I'm like, now, there's got to be a pretty big age difference between them. Uh, yeah. twenty six like years. Tw- twenty six years. There's a twenty six year difference between them because I'm like, because she was also in Truman's show with Jim Carrey and and was mm-hmm. she was his love interest. And that's why I went and looked up to all their ages. And you know, he's I mean, he was born in I think sixty. Anyway, he's six years older than than her. But at least that's close. But twenty six years old. I'm like, that just didn't feel right at all no uh not that it felt weird i mean of course we see that in movies but it just didn't feel right with the character developments like they just felt thrown in there
0: yeah that that whole moment just felt like it, it made no sense for her to to react that way to him in that Mm-mm. even in that moment it just yeah it didn't make sense like you that that yeah. that scene could have ended 30 seconds earlier and yeah. the movie is no different if not better but yeah. You know, that, outside of that, I feel like everybody's uh, kind of characterizations were really good. I mean, Jean Reno is, Jean Renault, he's, he's great
1: all Dude, the I time. love that guy. <laughs> he's so good.
0: Yeah. I mean, just, just great. Even, uh, and we mentioned Jonathan Price, still in Skarsgård. This was not the first movie I remember him from, because I'd seen Hunt for Red October prior to this, and he has a small role yeah. in that. But this is the movie that I remember mm-hmm. him from the most. Like, yeah. When I think of him, I think back to oh, that's right, he was Gregor and Ronan. Like that's, it's like when I think of Sam Rockwell, I think of the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles because he was in that, and it just that movie had such a such an impact on me, and this one did too. Um yeah. Because as somebody who wanted to go to film school when I was eighteen, and seeing this movie at seventeen, eighteen years old, and why, and and the filmmaking that went into it, and just how cool it looked, the the that was the thing. So like I remember this. So seeing Stellan Skarsgård again. And he's just so good as Gregor. He's just yeah. He's a terrible, terrible person, but at the same time, all he wants is his money. So
1: yeah, he's willing to weird. he's willing to kill people for, it, but he just wants his money. And, you know, it's like that's like, like he said there at the end. You know, it's like I'm just gonna take my reward and I'm gonna leave. That's yeah. What I'm gonna do?
0: Well, and not it only is he happen. willing,
1: that's what his plan was. <laughs>
0: yeah, well, and not only is he willing to kill people, he's willing to kill anybody. That scene where he pulls up, so the the dapper gent that gets in the car yeah. with him. Um, and then they have their little exchange, which I always, I always love that where he's just like, but we have so much history together. He's like, yeah, okay. Let me show you how dangerous the world is. Right. And that next scene, they pull up to that, that playground. That's such a haunting scene because you know, as a character, Gregor was ready to kill that little girl.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, as I was watching that scene, I'm sitting there going, no, no, come on. (laughs) Yeah. No, he's not, he's not going to actually do this, is he? He's really not going to do this, is he? Because if he does, it's just like a really dark turn that I wasn't expecting.
0: <laughs> yeah, and then, and then, but it's perfect. It's perfectly set up because then he's like, look, I don't know her and I was ready to kill her. I don't like you. So what right. do you think I'll do to you? Let's Give me my money. And he still, yeah. also there was a cool moment. Now, unfortunately, I went back and watched it again and I see one mistake with it. But when he pulls up, you hear him put the vehicle into park. So that sort yeah. of takes it out. But I did notice that in the shot right before he lurches the car, it's framed in a way that you can still see the ignition uh, of the, uh-huh. the Cherokee. And it's, it's in the on position. And I noticed that and I'm like, that's nice. Cause that's something that easily could have been forgotten and have the key turned uh-huh. off. And it's sort yeah. of, it's a nitpicky thing, but I was like, that's cool yeah. that at least they had that right. And you know, he's got, he's doing the two footed driving. Um, uh-huh. so yeah. yeah, I just, Gregor is, Gregor also has one of my favorite moments where he, he's so calm all the time, you know, they're doing that car chase and he's sitting in the back of that van with all his computer gear, yeah.
1: just <laughs> like that for a Sunday drive.
0: Yeah. Right. <laughs> just dead calm, giving him all this, uh, all these instructions and all that, yeah. but he is not afraid to get loud when he needs to. Cause when he gets away from De Niro in that, uh, that little amphitheater, um, Thing that right and like he screams and starts running like it's great uh, scarsgard is such a good actor and he really yeah. he, he gets into his role so much and I, I I equate him a lot like I put him on a level with like Gary Oldman where mm-hmm. I see him in a movie but it's not always he's not always the same guy in every movie he really gets into a role um mm-hmm. and I just his Gregor is just so much fun uh for being just a terrible terrible human being <laughs> So, right, um, and then we mentioned Skip Suda Sudeth, I think is his last name. Um, yeah, yeah. He, Larry. Larry's just great. Michael Lonsdale is Jean Pierre, who only has a couple of scenes, um, mm-hmm. but they're they're really good, interesting scenes, and, mm-hmm. um, you know, he gets to be there for the uh, removal of the bullet from Robert De Niro, mm-hmm. which. Now there's a scene that uh, the the scene itself is really well staged, but the more I think about that scene, the more I'm like, man, I would not want to be there for that because mm-hmm. you've got sweaty Robert De Niro laying on that table, and they really made him look. I mean, he's he's sweaty and like his body hair is all matted to himself, and the yeah. whatever whatever they did for for uh, the prosthetic uh, on his side. Where the bullet was, that was phenomenal.
1: Because you couldn't tell that. I mean, usually with those kind of things, you can tell that they've added a little padding there to put stuff inside. You couldn't see anything, but man, when he would push on that wound, and blood is just kind of Mm -hmm. running out of it, that was that was well done. That was a well done special effect. I I, I agree.
0: De Niro is enough of a method actor. Maybe they just had him. Maybe they just shot him and just said, "Here, (laughs) we're just gonna, we're just gonna, just in the love (laughs) handle there. You're fine. You got a little padding."
1: Yeah. Like now you that, said, there's no there's there's no vital organs there. It's fine. Nothing no. bad's gonna happen. You're not gonna kill me. Just do it.
0: But my uh, uh my I've been listening to too much film sack, um, which is a, a great film podcast, and one of the hosts on that, Scott yeah. Johnson. Scott always brings up you know uh, stuff like, oh man, that you know you can tell that person has bad breath or something. Like that's his <laughs> that's where his brain goes. So as I'm watching the movie this time, it's all I can think is, man, that room must have just smelled horrible, just reeks of De Niro <laughs> body odor and.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) But Lonsdale is great in that. And then, but he's got that wonderful, those two great scenes back to back with with Jean Renault in front of the fireplace and then retelling the story of the 47 Ronin. And what I loved about it was he's so calm and reserved while he's talking about these things. Like, this is a man, this character Jean Pierre has been around and he's seen so much that he can talk about these things with such a calm demeanor. Um, and I just really, really enjoyed that. And, you know, it's Michael Lonsdale. He's got a great voice. Um, I yeah, did. Oh,
1: yeah. I, I loved his character. I mean, he wasn't there for very long, but I liked And I loved that scene where he's talking about the 47 Ronin and just how he describes it like, you know, um, almost like a fatherly teacher just teaching, you know, uh, yeah. Sam. I, I really like that, yeah.
0: Yeah, that's a lot of what it felt like was it was very, uh, very fatherly, very like, uh, I'm, you know, the wizened old uncle. I'm going to, I'm going to impart yep. some knowledge on you. Like I've been around a yeah. little bit longer than you. Um, and I, I always find it funny the moment where he, uh, is describing the Ronan. He's like, some of them were, you know, bandits and this or madmen that I didn't have time to do. It's like, what else are you doing? You got all the time in the <laughs> world, man. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, he's great. Now also, uh, he is one of three James Bond villains in this movie
1: yes that's right uh him and uh price was one price He's been one right yep, yep. and who was a scar scars guard was he one no who, was, sean the, who bean. was the third sean bean okay that's right yeah. that's
0: right yeah yeah so and all three of them had done james bond movies prior to this coming out because uh tomorrow never dies was jonathan prices and that was the year before that was 97 so okay I thought that was kind of cool, but yeah, I, Michael Lonsdale as John Pierre. Plus he's got a great introduction where he's just, he's sitting there doing his, uh, his miniatures and he hears the dogs yeah. going off. So he just uh, gets up, walks out and he, all he does is whistle and the dogs immediately yeah. come running. Like those dogs are so well-trained. And again, that's that, that filmmaking shortcut of like, this is a guy who has everything under control.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, and in- my my question was okay. What was he before? You know, I mean, was he in the in the the field like they were before? I mean, what was it that that made him like that to be such a badass and and to just but at the same time just be completely cool and calm and so well, I I would would like to have known a little bit more about his
0: character. Sure, I mean, he ran Spectre. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to. I couldn't help myself. No, it's great. Well, yeah, he, yeah, he, You definitely can tell he had to have been a field man. I mean, at one point, he even says to to Sam, you know, um, "We'll be, uh, will be like uh, something for our kindnesses." Basically, he he knows that Sam has has done some things he's not proud of, and Jean Pierre yeah. has as well. Yeah, um, so
1: we'll pay the price for our, for our kindnesses. That's what it was. Yeah. Pay the price kindnesses. for our kindnesses. Yep.
0: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. then you know he gets name dropped a couple more times from, and you can tell it's somebody that Vincent probably worked with or worked under at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, and they yeah. they also formed, and I I kind of feel like he's an older version of Sam, and maybe that's why Vincent latched onto Sam so well. Okay, um, in a lot of ways, I, I just feel like yeah. maybe that's kind of what they were playing at because Vincent immediately goes to Jean Pierre as this is where we're going to get help. And, you know, he has the heart to heart with him and they're talking about Sam and, and kind of what he's been through. And, and so I just, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I really like that, but yeah, he's great. I mean, Jean-Pierre, um, is a fun character. You're right. I want to know more about him. Yeah. But that's what this movie does well is it, it leaves you with a lot of questions and doesn't have to explain everything. And it's interesting. I I talked about that with last week's movie in dark city where dark city does a lot of the same things. It leaves these open-ended parts. Right. And this movie does the same thing. You don't know much about uh, Deidre or Seamus, really, and you kind of want to know more. You want to know what they're yeah. what they're up to. You want to know more about Jean Pierre. I want to know more about Vincent because he just walks off at the end of the thing. Like, okay, yeah. why why is he not working for somebody else? Why is he just a mercenary? What did he do in his younger days to get to this point? So
1: yeah, there's a lot of yeah. That. But I, I was I was the same way with the, when I watched it the first time. I, I was a little a little frustrated because I'm like, I need to know more about these characters. I you know, they're, they're just leaving so many open-ended questions and that was frustrating me a little bit. When I watched it the second time, I was able to get past that and I'm just kind of settling, hey, let's just enjoy the characters and their interaction with each other. That's not, their backstory is not really that important, mm-hmm. you know, and, and so I was able to settle into just, play, you know, playing around with the relationships and the back and forth between them instead of worrying about all the background or foundations that I thought I needed because <laughs> I didn't really need it.
0: See, and that's where it helps to to watch a movie a couple of times, um, mm-hmm. especially if you're, uh, it, especially when it's a movie where you're like, I'm enjoying this, but maybe I, I need it, need some more from it, and then you watch it the mm-hmm. second time, you're like, okay, now I'm in the right mind frame, uh, yeah, and I can go, I can go with it a little bit better. So yeah. the writing for this, so this was the the story was written by a guy named J D. Zeik, I think that's how you pronounce it. Uh, oh, and there was one other character I wanted to mention real quick. And that was the man with the newspaper, um, that Sam goes to the, the CIA guy, Ron Perkins. Um, I, he popped up in, I think I was watching, uh, the prestige a couple of months back and he popped up in that and I was like, oh, that's why he looked familiar. I always think for whatever reason, his face just like, again, this movie had an impact on me. So I I recognize people from it quite a bit. Right. Um, Yeah. Yeah, so J.D. J. Zyke wrote the story for this, mm-hmm. but then they brought in uh, David Mamet to yeah. punch the script up, and uh, then the studio and uh, someone else, I don't remember who, basically said, no, Zyke needs to get top billing for writing, so Mamet was like, fine, 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 just give me a pseudonym, so he was credited as Richard Vice. Um, yeah but mammoths if you are familiar with david mammoth and his work at all his fingerprints are all over this the dialogue is such mammoth dialogue and it really is what makes things work the dialogue in this movie is so good because it's just so slick and it sounds so cool and it none of it makes any damn sense and i I mean
1: i'm 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 familiar with David Mamet, I mean, but I'm not familiar with his like I told you early on, like I'm great with recognition, not with recall, memory. Yeah. <laughs> so what are some of the things that he's written that
0: so uh Glengarry Glenn Ross is a big one. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. that was right. that was one that he did. Uh let me find it here because I know I've got some more. Um uh he did uh State and Maine, Wag the Dog, um are are his uh he actually did a movie that was a couple of years after this. Uh, maybe not. I thought he had written. Um, oh, heist. That's what it was. Which was okay. a movie with uh, Gene Hackman. It's a really good yep. um, uh, cry, crime yeah, movie. I've seen that one. Uh, Spartan. I've seen that one. I think, right. Okay. Okay. Spartan yeah. with Val Kilmer. Uh, Hannibal um, was one that he wrote. Uh, okay. And he's got this way of writing dialogue that just sounds cool and that was the thing with like there's so many moments in this uh Jean renault has got a great line where he, talk, where he talks uh what does he say it's uh everybody's your brother until the rent comes due like that's yeah. such a and i quote that one um there's that one there is um oh man there was a couple others that uh from de niro uh you're you're the part of the problem you're part of the solution or you're just part of the landscape yeah like, That's one that uh, rolls through my head a lot when I, when, when basically if I start thinking about being part of the problem or part of the solution, I almost always have to end that with being part of the landscape because it's true. (laughs) You're one of those three things. Um, Yeah. Even the moment uh, at the beginning with De Niro where he, he shows up at the cafe, but he doesn't walk in right away. And so you're, you're already getting this idea of how calculating and how careful Sam is as a character with the way they write him in the very first moment we see him he walks around right. to the back alley hides a gun somewhere when he goes inside and he asks where the bathroom is and they point him back there he heads to the wrong door knowing it's the wrong door to unlock it right so he's yeah. got a way out like it's so yeah. it, it's <laughs> so slick and as a viewer you're paying attention to all this but none of the characters know it yeah and then there's that great moment where Deidre walks up to the door and she realizes it's already unlocked and she looks back at him and he's just like, mm, drink. Right. It's so great. Like, I just really love that.
1: And I love, And then when they're leaving and she says, what were you doing back here? He says, lady, he says, I don't ever go into a place until I have a way out. Yep. You know, or I know a way out kind of thing. So, I mean, he. That, it's just he calculates everything in his life, man. It's crazy. So I really, the second time watching through where I could just kind of sit with it, I really enjoyed watching all of those subtle things that his character did all the way through. Yeah. Like that.
0: Yeah. You know, and and all the questions he has when they're laying out what the job is and the way he asks them is great, where he's just like, All right, now I want to work it backwards. Where, yeah. you know, so he's he's gone through the whole progression, now he wants to go backwards with it and kinda he's really, really careful. They have that line, You you're worried about saving your own skin. He's like, Yeah, I mean it covers my body. <laughs> you
1: know? And I love I love I love Vincent's look behind him when yeah. he does that. Just a subtle a subtle grand laugh. Like, yeah, that's perfect.
0: <laughs> yep. It's so like, and, and I just, it, it, that's what really works. Again, we talked about how the plot doesn't matter. The story doesn't matter. It's about these characters and even the dialogue, what they're saying, the actual words, because half the time it's about the nebulous plot and the case and whatever is kind of irrelevant, but it's, the lines need to fit the characters and they do perfectly. Um, Yeah. And Mamet, uh, according to Phil in the chat, says Mamet hung out on set, and made sure people said exactly what was written, and and I can see that happening for sure. Um, yeah, yeah, and yeah. I mean, this the dialogue is snappy. Um, everything makes sense. You've got these great moments where, uh, you know, De Niro's just the coolest guy in the room um, mm-hmm. all the time. But then you've got the uh, the kind of action that that. Springs up around everything, you know. The shootout um, in the uh, in the street when they find when they ambush the car was right. really really well written, and Frankenheimer does a great job of pacing that out, and it leads right into a car chase. Mm-hmm. And I just oh, I dug that so much because yeah. it, the pacing on this, this is a two hour movie, but it doesn't feel like that. That first half hour goes by quick. Yeah, And you don't realize until, like, I was watching it and kind of, because I was capturing a little bit of audio here and there and pausing every so often, right. I kept seeing the time code and I was like, oh yeah, I'm only 55 minutes into the movie and now is when Gregor gets revealed as who he right. is. Like, right. I kind of like that. So, you know.
1: Yeah. You know, I can't, I can't wait till we talk about the car chases because there were some things that I thought were really cool in there that I, so I'm looking forward to that part. <laughs>
0: Yeah. So, uh, so I mentioned the shootout and the, what I liked about the setup of that street shootout is everybody's getting into place. You got Sam, um, sitting in the back of that car with his freaking grenade launcher. That was, that was pretty great. Uh, but, yeah. but as soon as that now also ballsy as all hell to make this, uh, this ambush broad daylight, right. With all all sorts of people around. But they do it, and nobody's wearing masks, too. I thought that was funny. Nobody's yeah. concealing their identity at all. They just don't care. But yeah. that leads right into these car, the first of our car chases. And it's hard for me to say which one I like better because both car chases have some really cool stuff. But they shoot them in... It's almost all shot on location in uh, in these towns in France. And because mm-hmm. of the size of everything in the streets it gives it an extra like level of kinetic energy. Mm-hmm. And I love the use of POV shots on the front of the cars.
1: Oh, absolutely. It was one of my favorite parts of the movie was, was, was those camera shots, you know, uh, that, on um, that first person look, you know, through those super narrow cobbled streets with cars on the other side. And yep. yeah, that was, and that gave it a sense. It helped you get a real sense of the speed and yeah. almost the claustrophobic nature of it. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. And and I loved how they would have, sometimes they'd have the aerial shots of those old European cities that they were in. And you're like, how are they driving through? Because they're like 90 degree angles that are happening in these little teeny streets, cars on either side. So yeah, that was really impressive. And I thought that that was a good use of that camera angle to give you an extra sense of that speed.
0: Yeah. And they were able to do, uh, from the front of the car and give you that. And then they would also do the occasional shot, uh, kind of low angle right in front of a car, um, Mm -hmm. to show you the front bumper of it as it's going. And there probably my favorite single shot in the movie is two cars driving down a street. And then it's a super long lens you find out because it starts off with them and then it backs out and you see the whole city and i was just like right. that's an amazing shot like that's so yeah. cool looking and nowadays that would get accomplished with a uh, some sort of a cg thing uh, and i've seen it done and it works really really well but there you can tell this one is just like a ridiculously long lens they used and we're able to zoom way in and stage it i don't know what uh what kind of um work they did uh, for the staging for all these car chases but you can tell that everything is set up but it still feels really real. Um yeah. one of the best car chases in a film is in The French Connection. Uh and I don't know if you've uh-huh. ever seen that, but there's a It's been a long
1: time. I think it's been a really long time, yeah.
0: And what makes that car chase at the end of The French Connection so great is that gritty feel and the fact that Bill Friedkin uh, didn't really have the permits or stunt drivers to do it, and just drove like had had his stunt driver drive like a maniac through New York. But but it, it's that feel, that that visceral feel to it. They managed to capture that in this using mm-hmm. three hundred stunt drivers. Yeah, and, and I mean that's of, like, that's it's just insane.
1: I mean, I wouldn't even have thought that you would could do a, something like that on that scale. I mean, even. Now much less night in the 90s, where mm-hmm. you could have coordinated 300 stunt drivers in these little small European towns. Yeah, I, that was super impressive, and and some of it, watching what had to be some um, ad libbing by the drivers mm-hmm. when there was the one car chase when you know Sam and Vincent are in the car and they're chasing Deidre and I think Seamus, I think, were in the car. I think yeah. I think yep. that was the car chase. And They're going into the tunnel. And then the, the cop comes up behind her and mm-hmm. is chasing her. And she, and she hits it and it flips the cop car. The cop car is spinning. And as it's spinning, Sam and Vincent come flying by and just happen to squeeze between the car and the wall. And you hear the car hit the wall as it squeezes through. Mm-hmm. That had to be added because the driver had to just go, okay, I got to go this side because the <laughs> yep. car's spinning. I got to the other side. And the fact that they were able to pull that stuff off was just... Oh, that was pretty impressive to me. So, pretty impressive.
0: Yeah, it's just fantastic. That was during yeah. the second car chase, and what what I love about that one is the right. first like three or four minutes of it. There's no music; it's just the engine sounds and the sounds of horns and all that all, all that sound. And then about three yeah. or four minutes into it, they kick in the music, and you kind of get stage two of the of the chase. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, there's so many good ones like that. And you were right. The the claustrophobic feel of those closed-in streets and the fact that there's cars on either side of them. And here they are blowing through there and pulling J-turns and and handbrake turns and all this kind of stuff and they hit every trope in a car chase you can. They run through a market. They knock over the fruit stand. Uh the one the the first car chase ends with Larry knocking the car into a sidewalk cafe full of people. Yes. That was such a wicked stunt to pull off because they didn't slow down and those like they hit the first three tables that were full of people
1: i I mean i watched it the first time and but then when i watched it guys when i watched it again today um i wanted to watch and i watched that scene a couple of times because they slammed to those first three tables and the there's one guy in particular that was on one of those first couple of tables. He's up on the hood of the car, the, the car, hit his table, throws him up on the hood and he's basically climbing over the car to keep from getting smashed through the window. I'm like, those are some really brave stunt I wouldn't, have did- you'd have to pay me a whole, I'd be like that's Sam's character. No, I need a hundred thousand for this. No. Yeah, Exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's just, Oh, there's so many good moments in this movie. And that's really what it boils down to is this, this series of moments. The, the fish in a barrel scene, The ambush with the cup of coffee is great um, Mm -hmm. because it gets set up. I mean, obviously, anytime a film focuses in on an object, you know that object's going to be important. Mm -hmm. And what I love about that is they pay it off immediately. But I just I love that they they push in on Sam setting his coffee cup down and then he goes over and he just confronts Spence. And he just he just dresses him down right in front of it, knowing full well Spence is going to do nothing because he just doesn't have it in him. And then he ambushes him with a cup of coffee. Yep, it's yep. it's and it's such a De Niro moment too. That one and then the right. sound I played at the beginning where he's, you know, I want a hundred thousand dollars. I want it in a bank account. Like that's that's De Niro pulling out. Uh, what was it? Uh, Al Capone in, um in uh, yeah the Untouchables. Like he was going back to yeah. that.
1: And that was that was something I was going to comment earlier that that I thought that one one of the things that's a drawback for me with De Niro is. De Niro kind of does De Niro in all of his movies in a lot of ways. And of course that's because he does a lot of similar kind of movies, Mm -hmm. but I was really impressed that he largely didn't do De Niro in this movie, except for those couple of scenes where you saw it creep out, Mm -hmm. but largely didn't do that. And and so that was what I enjoyed the most about his character was that it's like, okay, he didn't do the typical De Niro guy for the whole movie. So that was really nice.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That guy's in there, but he's not prominent. Um, Right. And, uh, oh, and, Speaking of the car chases, and it was brought up in the chat and it reminded me, um, one of the things that they did was they wanted the shots inside the car of De Niro and um, Natasha McElhone to look like they were actually driving in that final chase. So they got right-hand drive vehicles and had the stunt driver sitting there. So if you notice, there's a ton of shots where you only see half the car. And that's because the stunt driver is next to them doing the actual driving and they're miming what they're doing. Sitting yeah. in the in the driver's seat, and yeah. I love that because now you're putting your actors in that car chase. Um, yeah, and really, that was you know, I, it. Just adds to it, like it just adds that level yeah. of realism because uh, you can right. you can see some of the stress on their face too.
1: Yeah, I I did notice though in that scene because because I I went and I'd read that that they had done that with the, with the stunt drivers, but I because and I noticed it the first night when I watched it, but I didn't really. Do anything, you know, research or anything, but then I researched it and then watched it the second time. That Natasha seems to manage it pretty well. I mean, she looks like she's driving and doing it and she's stressed because she's driving. There are a couple of cuts to De Niro. He looks legitimately scared in that car. I mean, <laughs> yeah. he's got this scared look on his face. I was like, you shouldn't look like that if you're the one doing the driving. You should be all in on this. So. Yeah.
0: But then at the same time, like I've, I've had to drive through some crazy traffic and and I I can get behind that. Like that's fine. (laughs) You get stressed out, but you're right. It definitely did show on his face. Um, but, oh, it's just the, the stunt work was so good. And there's even, uh, some moments like the goof that gets in it where the foot chase, um, that is supposed to end at that guardrail, but the, the, the stuntman oh, ran into him and they flipped over. That looks like it hurts so much when those guys landed. Cause you know, like four or five
1: times I watched it four or five times and we kept pausing. I'm like, that dude's head literally snapped backwards when he hit that bench. And that's yeah.
0: Yeah. There, when, there was no padding put first, down.
1: No, when I watched it the first time, I'm like, wow, that's a hard fall for some stuntman. And then I read that, Oh, that was an accident, but well, they just kept it in. <laughs> oh, okay.
0: <laughs> and it's like, Ooh, that's an even harder fall for stuntmen. <laughs> Yeah, they uh there's there's some really good stunt work. That you mentioned the cop car and it flips over and it it slides yeah. on its uh roof, the the car that falls over the edge. Um mm-hmm. and then uh, they several cars that blew up that um looked great. I mean, honestly, yeah. just the the effects work, the special effects mm-hmm. work that they did in this was good. There was a couple of things I did notice. One was when the first car chase starts up and Sam and Vincent are in that uh, Mercedes and mm-hmm. he he punches it and s- smokes the tires. Mm-hmm. When they, the the first shot of that, that's smoke coming off the tires. But I feel like they added in some smoke in the second shot. It didn't look right. I'm not sure what that was. Like, I don't know. I I, th- I feel like that was there. And again, that's like, that's about as nitpicky as you can get uh, yeah. to, to notice yeah. that. And, then there was the the shots of Sam and Vincent when they're on their way to Jean-Pierre's house and they're talking in the car, that they're obviously green-screened uh, and they're not driving on a road, the night shots. Yeah. And it's just the lighting yeah. doesn't match up. Yeah. Um, again, right. super nitpicky. That's like some of the only stuff that wasn't shot on location. Um, mm-hmm. But so much of the other... Uh, oh, and I guess, you know. If, again, if I want to get nitpicky, you can obviously tell it was a stunt guy that stood up with the rocket launcher uh, in the car as it was driving down the hillside. Um, yeah. cause it certainly wasn't De Niro. Uh, but, <laughs> but, oh man, is that a cool shot where the rocket hits the car in front of them and flips it over? Like, yeah, that's, yeah,
1: that, that that was, that was one of those special effect shots that was, I thought was super impressive. The fact that it, they, you could tell from the angle of the explosion that, that the trajectory, of the rocket hit just under the back bumper to f- blow it up and flip it over on top of itself. Continuing to move forward. So that was that was really impressive. I really like that, yeah. Yeah,
0: it was so well done. Uh, honestly, this is a movie that I feel like is kind of almost criminally underseen. Like, you're not the only person I know that has not seen this movie. Um, I've talked right. to quite a few people. And I think because it wasn't a big, it wasn't like a huge summer blockbuster, but it is an action movie. Mm-hmm but like if you didn't see this between 98 and like 02 it's sort of cuz it never it never made a big splash on streaming um mm-hmm. or anything like that and it's it's just old enough to kind of not quite be considered uh, like a, a an 80s classic um you know cuz it, it's played very earnest it's not cheesy mm-hmm. and it's it's very straightforward but I do feel like it's one that a lot of people, especially if you're fans of action movies and you're fans of like just slick, cool movies you should see. Now, uh, I am reading in the chat that uh, Ashley, that we know, Smashy, uh, did not like this movie because they don't tell you what's in the case. Um, <laughs> and that kind of makes sense. But you, yeah. again, I, I don't feel like you need to ever find out. Uh, it almost yeah. works better. It, it, and and it, it's those series of little moments. It's that moment where... Uh, Sam walks up to the guy and he's like, Hey, excuse me, can you tell me where the post office is? And the and, and he, you know, his reaction, how did, how do you know I speak English? Well, you're, you're carrying an English newspaper. He's like, ah, yeah. yeah." And they're playing it off until he gets in the car. And then when he flips, he's like, I thought you got out. Like immediately, like he knew who he was the second he walked up, but they play it so well. Yeah. And then as he walks away, Jean Reno's like, who was he? Oh, we went to high school together. (laughs) Yeah. And then John Reno gets to pull that on him later. He it's gets to do the way, callback right. for it. Like it's so
1: great. Yeah, I love that. I love that. That was that was really good. Yeah, yeah. And
0: and then not only that, but he he pulls the yeah we went to high school together. And then when they have to go back and knock the guy out, John Renault's mm-hmm. just like, "You do it. I can't. I I couldn't live with yeah. myself. I couldn't. Do it.
1: That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't catch I didn't catch that line the first time. You know, I watched. It. I didn't just didn't hear it well. And uh, so I didn't really I didn't really know why he wouldn't be the one that would go up and knock that guy out. Mm-hmm. But then, ha- you know, especially after that, that line that he said. But then when I watched it the second time, I'm like, oh, that makes complete sense. <laughs> you know, so that made complete sense. So,
0: yeah. And I just, you know, the the kinetic and frantic nature of some of the action in this really fits really well as kind of the flip side to how subdued. A lot of the dialogue scenes are and you don't, there's not a lot, there's not like angry acting in this movie, right? There's not a lot of bombastic scenery, chewing, yelling, and screaming. It just doesn't happen except for Spence a couple of times, Uh, really one time. And we, we mentioned that already, but with, with everything being so subdued and then having this frenetic fast paced action, that's very quick cut. That's got a lot going on. um, I think really fits because it makes the action seem that much more. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, I did really, really, really enjoy that. Um, the the Gregor double cross the the, the when uh, and I was bummed that Larry died. I will say that. Yeah, and the way I, that know, he I did mean, too. Yeah,
1: right. That that was that was pretty rough to do it that way, you know. But he, you know, he was like I like I said he he wasn't a he was one of the one of the guys, but really wasn't a main character in the movie. He was just mm-hmm. kind of in the background most of the time. But but he was just kind of, hey, I'll just do just just give me the car. I'll drive. Give me yep. the keys. I'll drive. Exactly. Kind of thing. And I, so I just like that about it. So, I, yeah, I hated that that that, that was going to happen. But you kind of knew that one of those three was going to go. Yeah. Uh, and and because he had so, so few lines, you're like, OK, it's going to be him. Right. Right.
0: Yeah. I mean, they're not killing off uh, De Niro and Jean Renault He's too important to the story at that point. Uh, with him, yeah. and his with and his relationship, like, yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, this is just a bummer. Larry, Larry was a he was he was a Larry, right? It's for, he was Larry. That's right. That's that is forever going to be my thing now. That character that everybody loves in a movie—that's Larry. That's um, Larry. There's a couple of other things that I really wanted to touch on. One was we mentioned how Gregor is—he's really not a good person at all, but he just wants his money. Right, he's just willing to do anything to get it. Uh, that's mm-hmm. the only motivation we know from him. Now, Mickey, who is the Russian that uh, apparently has a Chilean passport, which I thought was interesting, that was weird. Um, but he—he's the one trying to get the case. He is as bad, if not worse, than Gregor. In a lot of ways, because he wants this case so bad, the this MacGuffin is so important to him that he is willing to let um the figure skater gets shot knowing it's going to happen and yeah. knowing that all he has to do is give up some money but he's so unwilling to do that that he he lets her get shot and that is such a tense moment between him and gregor that uh it, it like every time i see this i just i i, I like white knuckle it for some reason and i know the outcome i've seen it i don't know how many times and it's still it's just so well played his fa- he's so stone faced and and this yeah. is after seeing how how friendly and how warm he was with her just a couple of mm-hmm. scenes earlier. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, Mickey Mickey is one of those
1: And in that scene though, in that scene, it you're right. I mean it, he's worse than, than 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 Gregor's character because in that scene, in that as those seconds are ticking down, you see Gregor breaking. You mm-hmm. see Am getting nervous and anxious, and and he's like, well, you know, um, yeah. so because because Mickey's just like it's nothing but a thing, man. Just come on, it, it doesn't yep. matter. She's just a woman. I mean, that's that's kind of what you saw going on there. And Greg was realizing that in that moment, and in that moment, he's like, I'm not going to get out of this, am I? <laughs> it's like, oh, you know?
0: oh, he called my bluff. Oh no. <laughs> um, and then one other moment I have to mention because th- this one, especially this watching, kind of cracked me up. And it was the look that Jean-Pierre gives Sam when Sam first comes into the room after the surgery and he's wearing the robe and he's drinking the coffee and he starts talking and he, he says, you know, um, something about, uh, his friends. If they had, if they had lived, they would, all they wanted to do was live long enough to open a bar. And Jean-Pierre's like, well, if they had lived, would they have? And he, he doesn't really answer, but he gives his answer. And yeah. as he's walking away, he's walking to the other side of the room and Jean-Pierre says, you know, who were these men that you hurt? And, and Sam says, I never hurt a friend. And, uh, he he starts asking him about, you know, well, who are you? And he's like, look, you don't have to worry about me. I won't hurt you. Right. The look that Jean Pierre gives him, he just looks up from what he's doing. And my note was literally this. It was, uh, the look JP gives Sam after he says, I won't hurt you is priceless. It's a bitch. I know kind of look like, (laughs) It was this look that he gave him was just like, you couldn't hurt me if you wanted to, guy.
1: Right, right. And and, and, and what was so cool about it was that, I mean, he's sitting there paint, you know, painting minis, and he literally just kind of looked up like, I know. <laughs> just In the mid-stroke of painting a samurai, yep. right?
0: Oh, it's so good. <laughs> and, like, I've noticed it before, but for some reason it really hit me this time, and it just made – like, I laughed out loud watching the movie. I had to stop for a second. I'm like, that's so right. good. It's just – Oh, that's that's this movie in a nutshell. Like, that is a completely throwaway moment that has zero bearing on whatever's going on in the movie, but it's perfect. It encapsulates this movie. It's the yeah. series of moments, and, and I loved it. I, I just absolutely dug that. Um, yeah. So, yeah, th- this is a fun movie. Now, I do have a couple of clips I would like to play because we talked about some of this dialogue, and I feel like people need to hear some of it. Um, uh, let's see. We've got... Well, okay, so here's a couple of uh, really, really good David Mamet lines spoken by Robert De Niro. All right, so here's one. Whenever there is any doubt, there is no doubt. That's the first thing they teach you. That is a line I use a lot. Whenever there is any doubt, there is no doubt. Mm -hmm. I I just love that. Uh, That one's really good. Uh, You got... Of course I'm afraid. You think I'm reluctant because I'm happy? (laughs) You think I'm reluctant (laughs) because I'm happy. I love... Oh, Um. The end of the surgery scene. So they've that, that whole scene, again, no music. There's nothing going on. It's just, it's uncomfortable to watch, right? You've got sweaty, smelly yep. De Niro with blood everywhere. And he's snorting and, and like all this stuff while, while, while it's going on. And then finally he's right. like, hey, do you, do you think you could uh, sew me up on your own? If you don't mind, I'm going to pass out. <laughs> if you don't mind, I'm just going to pass out.
1: Pass out. And then closes his eyes. He's gone. Uh,
0: yeah. I mentioned the part of the uh, part of the problem, part of the solution, part of the landscape. But then there's also it's a good plan. Let's stick to the plan. Everybody wants to go to the party. Nobody wants to stay and clean up. Everybody wants to go to the party. Nobody wants to stay and clean up. Yeah. yeah. Apparently, I quote this movie in my, especially in my own head, a lot more than I realized because sure. that's another one <laughs> uh, that I do. Um, this was a fun exchange. So right after. The coffee cup ambush, which is mm-hmm. again a brilliant scene, brilliantly set up, and he gets him yeah. with the "What's the color of the boathouse at Hereford?" Yeah, and then as they're they're getting ready to leave, and Gregor is you know winding up the the cord on his keyboard and getting all his stuff put away, and he just looks at he looks at him and he goes, "So what color is the boathouse at Hereford?" How the f should I know? <laughs> <laughs> And then, <laughs> and then that just sly smile from Gregor where he's like, Oh yeah. All right. You got it. Yeah. You you got him yeah. Good. Um, yeah. and, uh, Oh, uh, Jonathan price, uh, Jonathan price is a treasure. Um, he can be in every movie. I don't care. And when he gets to do the, the super Irish accent and just yell, you stupid shite, uh, I'm fine with that. <laughs> uh, I loved it. So yeah. The, uh, God, there's so, so much in this movie that's worth watching. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Again, I can understand uh, when people watch it and get annoyed. Um, I mentioned uh, Ashley and how she hated this movie because of not knowing what's in the case. I can understand that, but when you kind of come at it from the idea of, no, 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 that doesn't matter. We, we, I, we, I don't care about that. It's the, it's the briefcase in Pulp Fiction. Yeah, that, that has the glowing whatever it is in there. Whatever's in yeah. the case is whatever you want it to be. Mm-hmm. It's just not important why they're there. Isn't really important. It's that they're there and that they're having these conversations, that these characters are going through what they're going through. Right. Um, that's and th- because I, I, they are I, I, they're Ronin. they're they're masterless, yeah. and they're trying to figure out. Yeah. I'll,
1: I'll admit though, after I watched it the first night and I went to bed, all I could hear in my head, it was Brad Pitt going, what's in the box. What's in the box? <laughs> so I fell asleep. So
0: <laughs> yeah. And you know, there, there's, there's some cool stuff because it's like, well, maybe it's paperwork. Maybe it's a, it's a, it's a tchotchke or a thing or, or whatever, but it's also like, it's a case for ice skates. Okay. Well, why would it be a case for ice skates? Why would it be that exact thing? And, You know, but the fact that it was that type of case was what allowed Gregor to to fabricate the fake version of it, Um, which was a great moment, too, where he 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 manages to pull that switch with De Niro, with Sam right there. And Sam doesn't see it because he's in a firefight. Right. When he gives it to him and he runs and it just so happens, like if he doesn't notice that paint. Him and Larry are done because they both get blown up. So that was that was kind of cool
1: but that was that was that was I had a couple of nitpicks in this movie and that was one of them it's like okay if the paint there's two problems for me there <laughs> one either he he was pretty uh, calculated so that should have been painted and dried long time ago one and so that shouldn't have happened de niro should have got shouldn't have gotten wet paint on him or if if he did it quickly, and so there was wet paint for De Niro for, for Sam to, to get the wet paint on him and his jacket, then Gregor, there should have been some wet paint on Gregor as well with all that exchange going on because he wouldn't have been able to do it. So that was one nitpick I had. Another nitpick I had, you know, because I, I, I worked for the military, and, and what the the couple of sniper scenes, the one, the you know, the fish in a barrel scene, yep. and then also in the um, ice arena scene, the fish, fish in the barrel I'm sitting there going, that's not proper stance for a sniper. You know, no. if you're not prone, you have a specific sniper, specific stance. And so that, that, but then the sniper in the ice arena and, you know, Katarina Vitt's character is skating all over the ice and, and the snipers are up there with their, with their sniper rifle, moving their entire rifle the whole yeah. time. I'm like, no, you have a central point, a pivot mm-hmm. point, And you just pivot that way. And I'm like, no, that's not how it's done. <laughs>
0: Well, and, and yeah, I mean, that's, that's where the, um, movie suspension of disbelief goes, right? Because it's like, it's, it's just like the car. I mean, if you really want to get nitpicky, you can say, well, yeah, the, the headlights got smashed out on the S8, but then the next scene they're there, or actually one of the goofs, um, that I read might be my favorite goof on IMDB ever. And it was. So they have an Audi S8 and they mention that by name. Larry's like, I need something with a lot of push. I need an Audi S8. And the uh, the the trivia or the goof was like, well, you can tell that it was an Audi S8 in this scene because it has this wheel, like the three spoke steering wheel and this, but then there are shots where it's got a different steering wheel that you can see for, you know, whatever, two frames or something. So it's obviously the Audi A8. And it's like, oh, come on, really? I don't care. It's an Audi. <laughs> they look, ident- oh no, it was the side mirrors. The S8 side mirrors oh. are silver and the other shots, they were the same color as the body. And I'm like, Oh, screw off. Like, come on. They wrecked like 80 cars making this movie. I'm pretty sure they had yeah. several, several renditions. So oh, sure. right. <laughs> welcome to how I feel with computer IT stuff and movies. I know. <laughs> it, look, any movie you watch, you're going to find the thing that you can latch onto. You're right in that. That's not how a sniper would work. And you would notice that. Average Joe yeah. moviegoer probably doesn't care. Um, right. I have a friend of mine who notices everything to do with any firearm in any movie ever and will not only – yeah. he will he will point it out and he will talk about it at length whether I want to hear it or not while we're yeah. watching the movie. And I <laughs> usually have to tell him, Keith, shut up. <laughs> I don't yeah. care. We can talk about this later. Uh, computers and technology stuff. Uh Yeah. yeah. I mean – Sure. It's the, and, and you know what, that's fine. Like I, I don't, I have no problem with the nitpicking. Um, sure. don't let it take away from your enjoyment of a movie Yeah, is, mm-hmm. is the movie and hackers. Yeah,
1: like, laugh, yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, is the movie hackers accurate about how computers work? No, but damn it. It's a fun movie, you know? Yeah. And it's the same with this. Like, there's a lot of stuff that I'm sure you could nitpick the hell out of you being a, a military guy could probably notice a heck of a lot more than I would. Um, yeah. But at the end of the day, it, it's a fun entertainment piece. It's not yeah. a documentary, so I, I, yeah. I'm fine with that. But yeah, I, I just want, if you haven't seen this movie yet, watch it. Ashley, watch it again. Okay. Watch watch yeah, it again yeah. and just know that you don't need to know what's in the case. No, they didn't give you a cookie and then not tell, not let you have the cookie. The cookie doesn't right. exist. There is no cookie.
1: Okay. <laughs> Very Zen-like. There you go. <laughs> there is but, no uh, cookie.
0: But yeah, th- this is a, uh, a really, really great action movie. It's got some of the best car chases you're going to watch. You're going to be edgy of your seat watching it because it's got that claustrophobic feel. It's very kinetic. It's very, yeah. very amped up and just go, go, go. And, and it works. It works so well. I love driving a, uh, against traffic uh, the way that they were doing. Oh, God, yeah. Just all mm-hmm. of that. Like, it's just so, so good. So it's worth watching. Just re- realize the plot doesn't matter. And yeah. it's strange to say in a movie, but you can get away with that sometimes. The plot doesn't matter. The MacGuffin, the ca- you are not going to find out what's in the case, and no one cares.
1: Yeah, I mean, when 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 the movie becomes about the relationships between that group, then the plot is the plot is just a means to get them through the movie and and, and explore the relationship. That's all it
0: is. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, Sean, you mentioned beginning of the show that you have a you have a show where you talk about movies uh some yeah um what's that show and then where can people find it
1: okay well it's the gene pool variety hour um and it's a podcast i do with my my adult son he lives up in ohio now and we have always been the only nerds in, in our family so uh we used to sit here in the house all the time and talk about movies and and he would always come up with these weird geek debate questions um, and so we just made a podcast out of it, and now we, we stream it live on Friday nights uh, on Twitch at 8 o'clock, um, and it's just Gene Pool Variety Hour. And, you know, we'll he'll typically come up with some kind of weird geek question that we debate for a while, and then we will watch a random movie. And when I mean random, we will literally roll dragon dice to pick our movie. Uh, we'll, and so we'll do that in the episode before, we'll watch it, and then we'll review it the next time. So... You know, if it's on Amazon, if it's on Hulu, if it's on Netflix, we'll pick one of those, we'll pick a genre, and then I'll literally roll a hundred sided dice and that's the movie we pick. We've watched we've watched Turkish sci-fi movies, we've watched um, Christmas zombie musicals. Um, we've watched so we'll literally watch anything. And um, uh, and and then we just sit and ramble about it. And we both have ADHD, so we chase a lot of chickens. As long as there's a chicken up here. <laughs> Um, and just kind of go off for a while. So, uh, and it's also, you know, to be honest with you, it's a chance that I get about two hours, just one-on-one hanging out with my son that I don't get to do anymore because he lives in Ohio. So so that's, 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 that's
0: that is a cool uh, added extra to it. And the show is fun. I've, I've, I've caught a lot of them. I really enjoy it. I love the random nature of the movies. How often and I know you. Uh, we've talked in Discord a few times, and I've seen where you're like, okay, I couldn't do this one. How often does that happen where you get into a movie and you're just like, nope, got to cut this, and we got to go in a different direction?
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, it's happened probably—I mean, we've done 52 episodes now, and I think it's probably happened three or four times. That's not bad. Because um, I try to—no, it's not too bad. Um A lot of times— you know I'll look at it and as soon as I look at it I'm like no Connor we got we gotta go somewhere else and then sometimes I'll get about five or ten minutes into it sometimes half an hour into it and and I try to steer away from it because I would like the podcast to be something that if, if kids and families wanted to watch and just have a good time and, and talk that's fine but if it's a movie that I would not want my own ch- you know young children to watch then I would rather not talk about it and so we try to keep it pretty clean if we can sure Um now that doesn't that doesn't mean that doesn't mean like you know there's going to be language there's language in every movie these days that kind of right. stuff and violence that kind of, but when it gets really a lot of graphic other things going on we try to keep that out of the movies that we watch so yeah uh, like, I, I, I've had I've had a couple that that looking back went yeah we probably shouldn't have done that one we should <laughs> probably just let that one go but it is what it is now it's on the internet so it's permanent so.
0: Yeah. And, and sometimes the, you know, the blurbs on a movie don't give you the right kind of idea of what it's going to be, but at least, you know, uh, you have an idea going in and then hopefully it, you don't run into something where it's just like, it's so awful to watch, not because of the subject matter. Just the filmmaking is so bad that you yeah. can't get through it. Cause that's when go ahead. I was just gonna say, that's a, that's the thing that happened. When you're rolling the dice, you're literally rolling the dice. You don't know. Yeah, so. and, and
1: when we when we started the podcast and we started you know a few years ago the the we call it roll for credits that's what we call it okay. uh, but the segment used to be the best of the worst on Netflix and so we would literally try to find movies that were like the movies that are so bad they're good mm-hmm. and 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 the very first movie we did is this movie called gore that was the Turkish sci-fi movie which is one of the most the funniest movies I've ever watched I love that <laughs> movie I mean the closing credits are Turkish gangster rap just to give you an idea of kind of the tone of the movie. Um, it was absolutely hilarious. And so it's supposed to be so bad, but it was good. But then we went through a string of, there was nothing to talk about. We just kind of went, yeah, it was really bad. I don't really have anything else to say about it. It's just bad. And so then we said, let's just, let's shift a little bit and let's just roll dice and just pick something at random and go with it. It might be good. And we found some great movies that I would never would have seen. Um, that, that, I'm glad I've seen now because I just randomly selected it. So that's, that's kind of cool. And so it keeps us jumping because we don't really have, you know, a rhyme or reason to what we do most of the time anyway.
0: Well, and that's the other tough part too, is like you can watch a bad movie and it's just bad because it's boring and there's nothing, there's nothing interesting to talk about. And, and that's the tough part with a so bad it's good because it almost has to be like amateurish to be that, but then you run into the problem of it can go too far in that direction. And it, it ceases becoming the room. Um, mm-hmm. and it's, it goes into Bloods versus Wolves, which, uh, was a vampire versus werewolf film, uh, set with, a the backdrop of LA gangs. Um, which sounds interesting until you watch the movie and you realize it was made for like $45 in an abandoned building. And it's just, just rough. So, I give you a lot of credit for doing the random movies on streaming services, Uh, but the show is great. So gene pool variety hour and you stream it on Twitch and it's gene pool Twitch slash uh, gene pool variety hour. Yep. Just one word. Yep. All one word. And then you put it out as a podcast as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We usually do it on Friday nights and I usually push it out as a podcast on Mondays.
0: Okay. Excellent. So yeah, if you want to hear that, uh, just search for gene pool variety hour. That's great. Um, Awesome. Well, Sean, thanks for coming on this week. This was fun. This was a good conversation, glad. and I'm glad yeah. you finally got to see Ronan.
1: You know, I, I'm glad I finally got to do one of these, uh, one of these episodes with you, because every time you bring up movies in the discourse, like, oh, I've already seen that one. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm glad that we found one.
0: Well, now so. I kind of know the, the time frame to look at. I need to look from, like, 95 to 02 and just start picking movies from there and then get a hold of you and know. be like, have you seen this one? No? Nope? All right, let's do it. So, Absolutely. But definitely yeah. any time
1: if it's an animated movie during the end i'm i'll rock out on those because i would watch i got to watch during that time
0: so fair enough fair enough uh but yeah welcome back anytime this was fun i'm glad we got to do this so we i record this show uh sunday nights 8 p.m eastern twitch.tv slash tv's travis uh the show comes out on wednesdays in a podcast form and you can get it anywhere you get podcasts um aside from spreading word of mouth uh to help just to get the show in, in front of more ears, um, leaving a review and a rating on like Apple podcasts really helps the show become more discoverable when people are just searching. So that's uh, that's super helpful if you can do that. Uh, now next week I am going to take one for the team uh, and I'm going to watch the last airbender. Um, I have never seen this movie before. Someone brought it up my, my guest for next week. And, uh, and I said, sure, we'll, we'll do that. So we'll see how it goes. I have a, I have a strangely complicated relationship with M night Shyamalan um, because I think he's got a lot of talent and ability, but everything that I hear about this and I, I enjoyed uh, Avatar um, the last airbender series uh, that I've watched of it. So I'm, I'm a little worried. I'm a little scared of this one. Uh, I'm going to say, and look, yeah. this is the guy I I'm the guy that does uh, all Nicholas cage movies for the month of August. And I've seen some, I've seen some things. So, uh, but yeah, that's going to be next week. Um, and I've got some more fun ones coming up. I've got, uh, the crow coming up. Um, big trouble in little China is coming up soon. Whoa. Uh, so I've got some fun stuff. Uh, stir of echoes is coming out, uh, okay. as well very soon. So, so some fun stuff, uh, fun stuff coming up very, very shortly. But Sean, once again, thank you. Um, this was a pleasure, and uh, definitely, anytime you want to come back, we'll we'll work that out. We'll make that happen. Hi, man. me. I appreciate it. And uh, we always like to say to enjoy your movies, um, and remember, it's a kind of a crazy world out there, but it's getting better. So be excellent to each other.